Hi everyone, this is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor of Ridgeview Church and I wanted to let you know as we start things off about this year's Christmas offering. Now until January 16th, we are receiving funds above and beyond the regular tithes and offerings that we receive to send to ministries here locally and across the world. If you go to our website, ridgeviewchurch.com slash Christmas offering, you'll be able to see all of the different ministries that we're partnering with. We're so excited to, again this year, partner with local ministries like Rebirth Homes and Assure Pregnancy Center. We're also thrilled to give a part of what we raise to our sending church, Church in the Valley, who have given so much to us as they enter in a new building campaign in a space that they're going to get to lease after over 30 years of being portable. We're also giving internationally to some collegiate ministries and also a ministry in Thailand. And so I will just encourage you as we start things off to pray about what you can give to this year's Christmas offering. Our goal is to raise $7,500 that we can send out. Uh, We wanna be a church that's a part of uh, supporting church plants, supporting missions, so that the name of Jesus can be known throughout the earth. And so I encourage you, please consider what you can give. And you can go to our website, ridgeviewchurch.com slash give, designate to the Christmas offering, and just see what God does as we partner with those who are making a difference for Jesus. So I want to you know, encourage you in that. And today uh, we have a special sermon uh, for Thanksgiving. And uh, it's not called Thanksgiving Sermon, uh, but I think it is relevant to, to where we find ourselves. Uh, Thanksgiving is an interesting word. Uh, you have uh, kind of two uh, dis- depictions here of, of being thankful and having gratitude and then uh, giving. So there's a sense of attitude, uh, how we should perceive our life, and then action, what we should do. And I think that's very helpful for the Christian life especially. As we we follow God, uh, there's a certain amount of gratitude that needs to be uh, part of our life every day uh, for all that God has done for us. Uh, But also, as we're filled with that gratitude, it shouldn't just be so we can uh, just rest in that alone, but that we can pour that out into others, that we can give thanks back to God And then also uh, so that we can give of ourselves to others. And what you find when you follow Jesus is as you give out and as you extend yourself for him and his kingdom and for other people in love and service, uh, God continues to fill you up. But if you look at the image of this uh, message, uh, this sermon, this wilderness and wandering, I think that that's where a lot of us find ourselves. Uh, As we enter this season of Thanksgiving, uh, right before the beginning of the Christmas season, Uh, We may are already preparing for the meal and hosting people. But what I want to do today is help you prepare your heart and your soul for what God wants to do for you in this season. Uh, You may find yourself in the wilderness, in the dryness of life. You may find yourself wondering where where you're just, you're struggling and you're you're dealing with different things. And I want to just start off by recognizing that, not to kind of go deeper into the things that we're facing, but to kind of call those things out. To, to just acknowledge this, you know, as a church and acknowledge this but before God. Uh, many of us find ourselves in the wilderness and wondering. Uh, here's a few that I was thinking of. Uh, some of us, we have, we have health problems. Uh, some are related to COVID-19. Some are related to just other issues that are coming up. And health problems weigh on us. Uh, they impact our everyday life. Others of us, uh, you have just work instability You may have been with your company for a long time and with new requirements and changes in the economy and inflation, uh, you you might find your your work is unstable and it's leaving you a little bit, uh, you know, concerned about the future. 
Uh, for some, you may be in the middle of relational conflict. Uh, maybe your marriage is struggling. There's some cracks. There's some issues that you've been dealing with for a long time and things are starting to bubble up. You may be in the same predicament with, with your children. No matter what age they are, you may find yourself just struggling to relate to them, uh, to help them, to know what you can do to, to, to be there for them, and, and you may just feel like you're, you're helpless. And for others, uh, you just may be wait, waiting on a reality to come or a goal uh, that has not yet materialized. There's a sense of like, you, you just need things to happen. You need God to come through. Uh, you're waiting, and it just seems like the line keeps moving back. And right when you get to the goal or right when you get to what you want, it keeps going further. And so this Thanksgiving, it's easy to just say that and put on a happy face. But what I want to encourage you in is these things that you're facing from your health to instability to relational conflict, whatever it is, God is for you and, and he will help you with whatever you're facing. And so wilderness and wandering is actually something that God uses. And so that's the first question I want to ask. That is, what can we learn from the wilderness of life? When things are not what we want, or when things feel dry or desolate, when we look out at the expanse of our life and it just seems like there's not much there, what can we learn? Well, certainly in my life, from experience, and then as I dig into the scriptures again and again, I keep coming back to the reality, and it's this. Hard things can increase our dependency on God. There's hard things that you're facing, and there's hard things that I'm facing, and there's hard things our church is facing, and in the middle of those hard things, there's a sense of which God is doing a work among us. He wants us to increase our dependency, our need, and our recognition that, that we need God to come through. And I don't know about you, but I do. I need him to come through. I need his help. I need his wisdom. Even this morning as I was praying and I was reading the scriptures, I just felt burdened of so many things that I'm carrying. And I just got the sense from God, like I have to release those burdens. I have to keep asking him to, for help. I have to keep turning to him. But it's in those hard things where those burdens just weigh on us heavy. And we can begin to just get so labored and tired and exhausted. And, and if that's what you're feeling like today, you are not alone. God is drawing us together as people who are all in the wilderness and wandering in different phases. And, and God is calling us together to help us, to increase our dependency on him. Today, I want to focus our time primarily and actually solely on a psalm in the scriptures. The psalms are a part of the wisdom literature. Most are written by David. And uh, in this psalm, he's literally writing this, Psalm 63, as he's facing the wilderness, and he's literally in the wilderness of his own life. He's in the wilderness of, of Judah. And here's a couple of pictures that represent that wilderness. Uh, this is the wilderness of Judah, where David wrote this psalm. And it's interesting, it actually reminds me of uh, this region, uh, you see certainly that sort of wilderness here in the North Fontana area and all around us. You can see uh, the dryness, the rocks, the different hills, the landscape, and the heat and all these things that, you know, when you're there, you're thinking, well, there's not a lot of shade there. Uh, there's not a lot of oasis. It seems pretty dry. And uh, David is writing this psalm in the middle of the wilderness, and it's, it's also symbolic of the things that he's facing. Uh, the date, kind of season, of this psalm as he writes it is really at a part of David's life where his life is unraveling. I'm gonna briefly just describe some of his life in a moment after I read the psalm, but his life, life is un unraveling and this psalm is this plea to God. It's a plea to God and it's also a reminder to his own heart to remember the truth. It's this idea of like, I'm, I'm saying this to you, God. I'm, I'm you know, 
saying this out loud. I'm, I'm praising this. I'm, I'm putting it out there to remind myself of, of the truth. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the psalm and then I'm going to kind of dig into what can we draw out of this psalm that can help us in the wilderness and in the wandering with what we're facing. Let's read it together. Psalm 63. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyous lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. So you, you hear that there's, there's certain like this, it's like a song, it's this uh, poetic proclamation to God. And the first thing, uh, as you read, and you, you see that psalm, if you're, you're following along on the, the handout, the listening guide, I encourage you to, to look at that. But just what words jump out at you? And as you, you see those words, just, and maybe as you heard them, what, what words jump out? One of the things you want to do as you read scripture is you want to look at what are re- repetitive words or what's the posture of the person that's writing? What's the attitude and the action? What, what's going on in the context? And here you see the posture of David. Is it one of self-reliance or self, just being self-assured? No, it, it's a, this posture of this longing for God. He's in a hard season. He's in the wilderness literally and figuratively. Uh, Every part of his life, as he's stating this, is true for what he needs. So his posture is one that he's saying, God, I I need you. I'm dependent on you. I need you to come through. But he doesn't do so with demands. He actually does it with this posture of of worship. It's actually this posture of, of thanksgiving. And so let's briefly talk about why would this be a place that David finds himself. Why, why would he be in this, this place where his posture is, is so humble, considering that he was the king? And so if you know much about David, I'm just gonna briefly give you a, a history of his life, just as a snapshot. You'll find uh, a lot about him in the books of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, his coming to power and then uh, the, the end of his life. Uh, but here's a, an image of the timeline of his life, and this will be hard to see kind of each aspect, but you can see major parts of the timeline uh, related to these magnificent things that he was a part of, and then some, some hard things. Uh, part of our early recollection of David is, is this uh, shepherd boy in training that's watching uh, the sheep, protecting them against the beasts of the field. And here's a, uh, an artist's depiction of that. Another thing we learn about David early on is that he was a skilled musician, which makes sense because he wrote so many psalms, which are really songs to God, like praise songs. Many of the songs we sing today are taken straight out of uh, these psalms. And so he was the skilled musician that actually earned him favor with King Saul, who was so distressed and troubled, and uh, David would play uh, to him to, to soothe him. Uh, David's also the one who killed Goliath. Here's a depiction of that. As you can see, this giant of a man, and he used stones to defeat him. Small in stature, young in age, but God used him in a mighty way. Uh, David then later became the king of Israel. Here you can see uh, he's, he's kind of dictating and directing what the people should do. So he rose from the shepherd field to the palace, royalty, the king. And then he had some deep and destructive sins in his life. Uh, most notably, uh, David and Bathsheba, as he, here's a picture of him 
looks distressed, maybe worn out, and he's on the roof, and he looks down, and he sees her bathing. And he decides that he wants her, but she was married. And he orchestrates a whole thing where this man will be sent to battle. He's killed. He has an affair. She gets pregnant. It's this terrible ordeal. And he actually faces the judgment of God. So from the king and power to then using that power to actually abuse and to violate God's commands. And other things turned really ugly in David's life. His own son Absalom rebelled against him. Here's a depiction of Absalom's there in the middle with that red kind of flock and he's gaining influence of the people to rebel against his father. And it's most think that this psalm that I just read is in this time when David is on the run from his son Absalom who wants his throne and wants his life. And David coins this psalm, this dependence. God, I'm in the wilderness. I'm on the run. And not only that, my heart is wandering in, in the wilderness and I need your help. And here's a picture that you could see. Just uh, imagine your, your son coming after you, your, the one you love, and just you could see that the anguish on, on David's face as he's pondering all of these things. The reason I share this is, is this represents a lot of our life. Uh, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. And there's a lot of things that we've done, uh, Lord willing, uh, not to the degree that David has done, but there's a lot of things that we've done that, that fill us with regret. There's a lot of things that we are in that we wish were different. Uh, but we're caught waiting. We're waiting for things to change. We're waiting for uh, answered prayer. Oftentimes we're waiting for the answer that we want in prayer. God may be telling us to wait. Or he may be telling us yes, he may be telling us no. But, but oftentimes we just struggle with, with, is God here? Is he for me? And, and just like David, he just gets to the point where the hard things keep mounting. The wilderness keeps drying him up. And the wandering keeps just him distant. But Psalm 63 is this call back to this dependency that, that all of us can take. And so for the rest of the time, I want to talk about how we can tap into the well of thanksgiving when life is hard. You may not feel like you can be thankful. You may feel like you can't be someone who can even give right now. But as you turn to the Lord for help, you can tap into the well of thanksgiving that's not dependent on you and your circumstances, but it's dependent on the living God who wants to help you and direct you and guide you and love you and lead you to the life that he wants for you. So let's dig in. How to tap into the well of thanksgiving when life is hard. First, since God is personal, I can cry out to him. This is reflected in verse one. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Like I said, David's son, Absalom, is coming to take his life and his throne. Um, it's all unraveling. He's battling regret, confusion, heartbreak. But yet notice what he does. He earnestly seeks God. The word earnestly there is this, this idea of like in the darkness you seek God. It's like in the early watches of the night. As you wake up and you're overwhelmed by all the things that are concerning you and you feel like you can't sleep and you're stressed and you're burdened. David sets us the example. Earnestly seek God. It's this idea of like the day can't stop. Start before I ask God for help. There's an urgency. Uh, there's longing. So what, what are you battling right now? What, what, what is you that, that you're struggling? There's a sense of like, I, I just need to cry out to God for help. What, what are those things? 
Uh, are you battling discontentment? Are you battling your future? Are you wanting things to change in your family, but they're not? Do you, do you feel stuck? So, so identify those. Don't, don't just push those down. Don't sweep those under the rug. God wants you to cry out to him with those very things, very specifically. But if you don't cry out to God, like it's so easy to do, we, we do alternative things. What is it that you do when these things are upon you? What does it do? Well, for me, uh, I can turn inward. I can just mull inside myself and I can cut people out, including God. I just, I'm gonna deal with this myself. Another approach is I could turn to entertainment or pleasure to make myself feel better. I just need to break. I need to ignore it or I need, can escape through shopping, sleeping, denial, whatever it is. All of us choose different things. But what David is saying is in the middle of those hard things, when you want to run, in the middle of the hard things, when you want to do it yourself and power up and try to solve it yourself, you actually need to do the opposite. Hard things increase our dependency on God as we ask him for help. So that's verse one. I can ask God for help. I can cry out to him and he will help me. So when the pressure is up and the hard things are weighing on you, turn to God first. That's the first takeaway. I don't know about you, but I I need that. I could turn to so many things, including myself. But David reminds us, turn to God first. Second, since God is powerful and glorious, I can rely on him to come through. David is describing who God is. Check out Verse two, it says, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Now, in this moment in the wilderness, there's no sanctuary. He's not looking into the temple. He can't see the Ark of the Covenant. There's this glory that he he can't see right here, but he has seen it. It's this recognition of like, he knows who God is. He's experienced it. And he's reminding himself of who God is in the middle of the things that are causing him to forget. And I think that's such a good word. It's this literal fixing your attention on God opposed to other people and other things. And he says, I behold your power. That literally means strength like a fortress. It's the mighty power of God. In these hard things, I'm not gonna focus on those, but I'm gonna focus on the mighty power of God. That's what I'm gonna behold. I'm gonna fix my attention to. And then the second key word there is glory. It's this place of high honor, splendor, and abundance. It's like the king of the universe the king over everything, almighty God has power that no one has and has glory and abundance that nobody has. The idea is, is God is God. There is no one like him. And David is saying, listen, I can rely on him to come through because of his power and because of his glory. The interesting thing is, is if you don't turn to God's power and glory, whose power and glory do you turn to? When you're in hard things, the things that's so frustrating is you don't have power to control circumstances. A lot of times you don't even have power to change what you want to change. It's so out of your control. And even the things that are maybe in your control, you, it's hard to change. It's hard to, to, to stop patterns. If you're struggling with relating to your kids, it's hard to get the strength to choose a different way to respond to them. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be gracious. It's hard to let go of things and forgive so it's very interesting. And the things when those hard things are mounting on us, we don't have the power within ourselves. And then as we look to others, what power do they have compared to Almighty God? The government? They don't have power compared to God. You could see that. Things are unraveling all around us in this world. But when those things 
are tough and wearing on me. I can turn to God. When we're wearing thin and when we're wearing out, if we look to ourselves, all we do is we, we get more disillusioned. Because again, it's dry. The wilderness, there's no, there's no water of refreshment. But when you look to God and his power and glory, you receive help. I think it's very interesting. In our deepest needs, sometimes God is the last person we, t- we turn to. Is that true of you? In our deepest needs, sometimes God is the last one we turn to. What David is saying is, first, verse one, turn to God first, cry out to him. And then two, remember, he has power and abundance and glory that no one else has. That should fill us with thanksgiving. Because of who God is, I can cry out to him. And because of who God is, I can rely on him to come through. There is no one like the God of the Bible, like the God of the Israelites, like the God of David, and the God of us for all who believe in Jesus Christ. So that's just the first two verses. And it goes on, verses three through six. This is what David teaches us and instructs us. Since God is faithful and loving, I can find what has meaning. That is, uh, what, what actually can give me satisfaction, can give me purpose, can give me what I long for. Verses three through six says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Uh, When you follow Jesus, you can find real refreshment that you will not be able to find anywhere else. I believe this 100%. There is a refreshment because it is the only full and abundant life that you can have. And David is describing this, like your love, God is better than life. It satisfies, it lasts, it does not run out. So I can find that satisfaction. I don't have to chase that somewhere else. Oftentimes, even in the hard things, we want all those things to go away. But even if they go away, what do we have? Maybe just normalcy or peace, but it's still circumstantial, it just goes away and hard things come back. But what David is saying is you can't fix your anchor of your life and your attention of your life on your circumstance. You you have to anchor it into the living God. This past week, our family was kind of struggling with allergies and colds. And as a family, we just decided, you know what we need? We need uh, some pho. I don't know if you've ever had Vietnamese pho, but it's this noodle soup with this great broth and bean sprouts and basil. And it's uh, just one of those things that's good when, when you're sick. And as a family, we ate it and it was like, this is the best meal ever. And that night we all slept good. It was like, it gave us the nutrients we needed. It, it helped us when we were just trying to feel better. And as I was reading the scripture, it reminded me of that, that like the satisfaction, like that, that bowl of food. It's, it's just food, but it was amazing what it did for us. And what What David is saying is like, when you tap into the steadfast love of God, it gives you exactly what you need. It's this loyal love. He's not gonna run from you, the steadfast love. He's not gonna run from you. He's not gonna find something better. He's not settling on you and he wishes he had something else. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. Uh, This is what you and I need. We need the living God that has this loyal love, that he will not stop pursuing us. And then that loyal love, as we turn to him, he gives us what we need. He gives us the satisfaction, the meaning that that we long for. This week, 
what I encourage you to do, that, that satisfaction, that meaning. Listen to some worship music. 89.7, that's one that I listen to, FM. Uh, listen to some worship music. Play worship music on Amazon Music or iTunes, wh- whatever you can listen. But begin to kind of saturate your mind and your heart in the truth of who God is. And praise music can do that. It can direct your heart. It can remind you this is where meaning is found. It's in the living God. Worship music has a way of drawing you. And then as you do that, dig into God's word as well. I encourage you, dig into Psalm 33 or Psalm 34. Those are very helpful as you're, you're struggling. It's a reminder of who God is. In fact, I just want to read something I read to you this morning. And it's not, you won't see the image of this, but just listen. It says, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. So he, he's, he's watching. He sees. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. That's Psalm 33, verses 13 through 22. As I read that this morning, I thought, God, that's exactly what I need. I need to be reminded. It's not in the kings of this land. It's not in the horses or the warriors, the things that we normally look for strength. Our hope is in the living God. And that's what David is saying. Because God is faithful and he's loving, you can find real meaning. I can cry out to him. He will come through. And then David goes on, since God has been my help, I can have confidence as I face the future. None of us know the future. None of us knows what's just around the corner. We all know that. But there's a sense of which it still can just degrade our hope and wear us down because everything is unsettled in our world. You look at the news, you look at social media, you listen to talk radio, and it just chips away at stability. It chips away at confidence. It chips away at all that you've known. It chips away of the things that you hope will happen. And you find yourself spiraling, spinning by the latest news, spinning by the degrading of our culture and our society. And in the middle of it, God's people must raise up and say, it's not in this land where we find hope. It's in a relationship with the God who helps us. Verses seven, it says, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Interesting thing from these uh, two verses. Uh, The shadow of your wings is actually a common expression uh, in scripture. It represents the cover and protection of God for those who who trust in him. And the, the comparison of how like a bird protects and cares for their young. There's this protection and God is a refuge. Like that's where the safety is. If you're a young bird, you need to be under the, the shadow of the wing of the bird that's taking care of you. And it's the same with God. We need to be under the, the shadow of his protection. And we're under the shadow of his protection when we're under his authority, where we're submitted to him, 
where we're doing things his way. We're not out of bounds in our life. In the hard things, it's easy for us to just chase what we think to get what we want. And we can go out of bounds in our relationships. We can go out of bounds in what is right. We can cross integrity and go into things that are not right. They're forbidden. But to stay under the shadow of protection, we, we have to live exactly. We need to do what God's called us to do. We need to be faithful. And you, you find yourself in the shadow of this protection. And you have to keep coming back to this reality that, that God will uh, take care of me. And the promise there is not only the shadow of his wings, but his right hand will uphold you. This is another symbol of God's power, but also his authority. Nothing can stand against the right hand of God. Nothing can break his authority. He is sovereign. He's in control. And he will do what he wants to do. So when we choose to follow him, and when we choose to put our trust in him, we can have confidence. Even as the world is fading away, his kingdom, his work, and himself will go on forever. And as a church, we have an opportunity. In our families, we have an opportunity. In our lives, we have an opportunity to stand and say, I'm not going to put my confidence in anything other than the living God. Nothing can stand against God. Nothing can prevent God from doing what he wants to do. Christians, if you're a follower of Christ, you should be the most confident people on the planet. Not confidence like the culture defines it as being self-assured, but confident in the promises. God will help, so I, I don't have to worry. God will cover me. He'll protect me. I don't have to cower. God will provide his right hand of support. His authority stands. Which is the most relevant to you? You'll see on the screen there, just the summary. Since God is personal, I can cry out to him. Since God is powerful and glorious, I can rely on him to come through. Since God is faithful and loving, I can find what has meaning and satisfaction. And since God has been my help, I can have confidence as I face the future. Which one? Do you need to apply to your life? Is it turning to God first? Is it relying on his provision? Is it waiting for him to come through? Whatever it is, I, I encourage you just really wrestle, really land. Ask God to show you in the hard things right now, where does he want you to increase your dependency? Not on yourself, not on anyone else, but on him and him alone. So in closing, what next step can you take today? First, it might be that you want to just give thanks in your current circumstances. You are in the wilderness and you are wondering, but give thanks because God wants to increase your dependency on him. And that is a good thing. That has value for this year. That has value for next year. That has value for the next decade where you've learned from that season it was so hard, but you know what? I increased my dependency on God and he came through. Second, you may want to read Psalm 63 and pull out a key insight. So read the scripture for yourself. I encourage you, do that. Get God's word in your life. And then the last next step, pray about this year's Christmas offering. What could you contribute? I encourage you, give. That's part of how we place our confidence in God as we extend for his kingdom here at Ridgeview and throughout the earth. God will provide. So I encourage you, if you're in the wilderness and wondering, we want to help you and pray for you as a church. 
But more importantly, God wants to help you. And so if there's a prayer request that you have on your connection card, if you're watching on YouTube today, uh, you can just click that link. If you're on our watch page, you'll see it on the tab. Uh, Fill out that connection card. Let us know how we can pray for you. We take that seriously. And we have a prayer team that will lift you up this week. This Sunday, in service at Jesse Turner, um, I'm just gonna invite people that need prayer to come up after the service so we can pray for anyone who needs it. And so if you're at a place where you're ready to come to church or you think it's time, I encourage you, come to our service at 10 o'clock every Sunday at the Jesse Turner Center. We'd love to have you. So I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving as you spend time with friends and family. And in the middle of all that you're facing, I hope that you will remember that God is for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for David and the example he sets in just his dependency on you. God, this week we we ask that you'll help us to give thanks for what we're facing and that in the things that we're facing, the hard things, the wilderness and the wandering, that we will increase our dependency on you. Help us to pinpoint what that looks like. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.